Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi, an activist and cause marketer who's passionate about social impact and sustainability. Today, we're going to talk about wanderlust and travel as I invite you to meet a dear friend and member of my MBA cohort at Santa Clara University, Riva Bakay. Before I introduce Riva, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, caremorebebetter.com. You can sign up for our newsletter to be the first to gain access to new episodes and easily browse past content to find the episodes that matter most to you. You'll find full transcripts, suggestions for actions you can take to make a difference, and you can even join our community and make a donation right on the site. After a year of travel lockdown due to COVID, we're delighted to indulge our desire to travel. Riva Baquet envisions a world where all businesses act as a positive force, balancing profit with purpose. SA Expeditions is a purpose-led travel company dedicated to tailor-made travel, one that profoundly engages you with the people and places that you're visiting to create genuinely life-changing experiences. In line with their core values, they earned certification as a B Corp during this pandemic. So Riva, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like you to tell us about your background. How did you get into travel? I was really lucky to have parents that love to travel. So they instilled it in uh, you know, a deep desire and passion for travel um, very young in me. So I traveled to Europe as a teenager and actually worked you know, since I was age 13 or so to save up money to travel internationally myself right after high school. So it's just been a big part of my life, even though I never assumed or realized I'd I'd eventually work in the industry. So what's unique about how this company in particular does travel? Well, we really wanted to, you know, provide a type of travel that is um, personal and uh, really unique to each individual and a sort of transformative type of travel. So it's not your run-of-the-mill standard group trips that anybody can take. Um, These are trips that are designed special for you. And so that means that they are usually with a private guide and designed just for your party. We really believe that the business of travel and exploration should act as an economic engine for good. So driving awareness and resource protection and sustainable development for places and communities around the world. Well, that's really great. I mean, you spoke about becoming B Corp certified in the midst of the pandemic. So why don't you talk about that choice and how you're having an impact within the travel world? So we had been interested in B Corp ever since we heard about it. A B Corp is basically a business that's committed to protecting the broad interests of all beneficiaries for a more equitable economy. So they're balancing profit with purpose. 
And this really uh, resonated with us. So when we learned of it, uh, we were interested right away to uh, learn more and see how we might be able to get this certification. Um, and this was before the pandemic. And so when the pandemic hit, we did have a moment where we thought to ourselves, is this something that we should continue even during these challenging times? And we decided to go for it because these times shouldn't change us or change our values. So we continued to work towards it and were able to achieve it during the pandemic. You know, in my earlier episode, I believe it was episode seven with Eliza Erskine, we talked a lot about what it means to be B Corp and how a company really has to go through several steps in order to get there, often has to work with somebody who's somewhat of a specialist that helps them rate themselves going in so they have a better idea of how they'll perform on the checklist and the types of changes they'll need to make as a business. So did you find that that was a really arduous path or were you already doing most of the work? We we went into it a bit naive. So we they have a B Corp assessment um, survey. It's quite long, but you can test it. Your, you can take it yourself before to kind of see where you fall. And then they go through a long audit with you to um, check the evidence essentially and make sure that you're, you're actually following through with the things that you're claiming. So we didn't get any outside help, but there were some things that we shifted during the process. We worked on it for, I think, nearly two years in the end. And there was a lot of places where we saw opportunity to, to grow in the future, which was exciting to see. But there was a lot of things that we already had in place as well. So it was about gathering the evidence, which was a process in itself to be able to demonstrate, you know, where we were having that impact. But it was really rewarding to see that we were already being able to manifest some, a lot of our values into our business decisions. Well, that's so cool. Now, I would just love for our audience to be able to get a more granular view on this. So is there one thing that you had to change or just something that really stood out as you were going through the process of becoming B Corp certified? There were some interesting aspects where it was hard to find alignment. B Corp does this incredible job of creating an assessment that is applicable to a wide range of industries, which is hard to do. And they they assess you along different themes and um, and, and you usually fall into one particular theme where you really are able to get the, the majority of your points from. So we started off on the wrong theme at first and then realized we had to shift gears. And also uh, we're a remote company and there was a lot in there uh, about how you give back locally. And so that was an interesting, you know, complex, an interesting complexity uh, that we see ourselves as a remote company and, and more and more companies out there are, are becoming remote. And so that question of how you impact your local society, your local economy gets a lot more interesting. So working around that and um, finding ways where we could make sure we were honoring the, you know, the, the essence of that question, but without actually having a physical space of our own. So you, Riva, and City X might work at a local shelter during the holiday season to give food and, and resources, and somebody across the globe might be doing the same thing in their area. Yes. So we looked at it from a business perspective, like where we do the most business, both um, where our team is sort of located, as well as where our business occurs most to make sure that um, we were giving back locally in that regard. And then we also, one of the things that we initiated during the process was a charity matching um, program, as well as 
we implemented the option where um, you could take time off, unlimited time off for um, for volunteer work that doesn't uh, count as any vacation time. So in those ways, you could be making a difference in ways that were important to you and also in your local area. Okay, can I come work for you? <laughs> <laughs> I love the concept of being able to have unlimited time off to work uh, and furthering a charity. Um, mm -hmm. That's very generous. So as we look at re-entering this travel sphere and many people starting to book vacations around the globe, uh, what should they be considering and keeping in mind when they make their travel choices? If you could speak to that. Absolutely. One of the most important concerns around travel, separate from the pandemic in itself, is just the carbon emissions that it includes. So international flights are a big factor in carbon emissions around the world. So one simple thing that they can do is um, offset those emissions and travel with companies that are carbon neutral. And so um, and people don't realize that it's actually quite affordable. So you can offset an international round trip flight for as little as $50 and it makes a big difference. There's lots of other things that people can do, like going to destinations that aren't feeding into issues of over tourism. So being thoughtful about where they travel to and how there's so many places to see around the world. And there's no reason that we all have to funnel into these very small specific destinations that have had the most you know, media coverage. Um, so avoiding things like that and buying locally, you know, minimizing their waste, all those things can have a big impact. And of course, choosing their business, the, the businesses that they um, travel with, making sure that they're B Corp certified will ensure that they are companies that are valuing a lot more than just, you know, the profit of the business. Well, thank you for that perspective. I think uh, as far as our consumer audience, many might not have even really thought about the fact that their air travel really does have a significant impact insofar as carbon emissions are concerned. If we want to think back, uh, what was it? Greta Thunberg decided to sail on the power of wind, all the way uh, to some media event because she wanted to shine some light on that. The fact that we um, really do have quite a bit of carbon emissions even to travel. And so walking the walk and talking the talk for her meant sailing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's really interesting that people can buy those uh, carbon offsets as well just for their travel. One thing that I have been an advocate for is really using the rental ability to bring things like toys and strollers and things like that when you come to another country, because often I've even heard people in my circle say, oh, well, just go to Costco and buy that when you get there and leave it behind. <laughs> and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, what happens then after? Like, now you've just bought this disposable thing in your mind that you're just going to leave behind after. What happens to that? So, um, for instance, when I go to Hawaii with the family, especially now that we have kids and we don't want to travel with all this extra stuff, we will coordinate with a local rental agency that literally gives the crib, the stroller, the umbrella, the toys, beach toys, indoor toys, whatever, and they'll have it literally inside the hotel room that I'm coming to. I'm like, wow, that is so ingenious. And it didn't cost like more than I think $40 for a week or something simple like that. 
So I wonder if those are the types of services you're also advocating for. Do you plan for things like that for families? Yes, absolutely. We do. In fact, um, in South America, where many of our trips are located, these types of rental businesses aren't quite as available. It would be a great business prospect for anybody that wanted to bring it down to the area, but it's it's not as prevalent yet. And so, um, but we have done things like even get those things prepared for our travelers on special request by borrowing them from people we know in the area or people within our team to make it more easy. Um, and then if you do have, if you are making a purchase like that just for the trip, we can certainly find a home for it that will be, that will go to someone in need. So uh, there's ways to work around, you know, creating this additional waste and, and make sure that, you know, anything that we do have is, is getting reused. Well, I love that. I think it is really thinking full circle when it comes to our travel. What is our footprint? What does it look like? Are we just creating a bunch of waste as we go into this space and then leaving it behind to end up on the beaches? I mean, how do we have a lesser impact when we go and enjoy the world? Um, So I've just always been an advocate of Packing light, but thoughtfully. (laughs) And when it comes to something like, um, you know, beach gear for the kiddos, it's often best to just see if you can rent some stuff because that will just make the and a much easier prospect overall than lugging all of it and trying to fit things into suitcases. Certainly. And we we don't want to stop travel. I mean, there's so many benefits to traveling around the world and that that the globe is becoming more global and more accessible to people. The fact that we are able to have these exchanges that we that we couldn't before um, helps us understand each other better and and have a more collaborative and cooperative world. And so how can we continue this this leisure travel that's become so much more accessible and available to so many more people around the world, but do it in a way that is sustainable, essentially? So, like I said, going to more places around the world so we avoid over tourism issues, engaging with communities in a thoughtful, respectful way when we're when we're abroad and really minimizing the waste. So can you talk to me about some of the travel destinations that you have perhaps spearheaded? Certainly. We started as a South America travel company and have broadened over time to include all of the Americas from pole to pole. And we will be going internationally as well outside of the Americas to include other destinations in the near future. But where we've done a lot of work is actually in the area where we were bored, which was in Peru. Many of us that are involved in the company have lived in Peru before or or live there now. And as a result, we're deeply connected to the people, the culture, the society, both in Peru and, and in the wider region. And so back in 2017, one of our co-founders, Nicholas Sanziano actually hiked for four months across this network of trails called the Great Inca Trail or the Capacnan. And he hiked um, from Ecuador to the Cusco, Peru region uh, with the goal of raising awareness around these, this network of Inca trails. Many people, when they think of the Inca Trail, they think of the four-day traditional Inca Trail that ends at Machu Picchu, and they don't realize that that is just one small segment of a large network of trails that are just as important. And so from there, we went and created a few trips that were along other sections of the trail to uh, allow our own customers to come and experience it themselves. And 
we worked with the local communities in those areas to make sure that it was done in a thoughtful way that they were included and engaged um, and could participate in, in creating sustainable business and uh, for, for in travel for their area. And so if you go to our website, you can see some of those itineraries. And um, the idea is about helping to mitigate the over-tourism that's, that is starting to occur in Machu Picchu and, and educate people about other beautiful um, trekking opportunities around the region. So that's one big project that we, that we spend a lot of time on and continue to advocate for. We also participate in reforestation projects in the Andes. So to help protect, you know, local areas that are that are struggling by, you know, the introduction of, of foreign trees and deforestation. So when you go to certain areas in the Andes, we are planting a tree for every person that visits. Um, so there's different things that we have that we're involved with in the area like that to help educate and and hopefully give back. I'm wondering if you could dig a little bit deeper and tell us what the problem of over tourism really is. And what you're seeing as, for instance, at Machu Picchu? Well, um, if you went to Machu Picchu like 15 years ago, it would have been, um, you know, this, this just really quite unregulated um, relative to now where you could walk anywhere within the ruins. And, and now there, there are specific trails that you must follow um, as, as a guest and um, go in and out along those trails within, within the central area. Of course, in the, in the broader site, um, there's, it's, there's still areas that you can walk freely around. But it's just, it indicates how things have shifted, that that regulation is required. Um, and that's really important, of course, to help protect it. Um, but it's, it's, it's representative of the fact that there's so much more demand um, and, you know, there's, there's questions around the, the economic growth in the area and what is appropriate and what is disruptive um, when you have a lot of tourists and international travelers coming into um, towns and communities around the area um, and changing, you know, and, and oftentimes it's for the better that they can bring, you know, economic abundance to an area, but it can also be damaging. So, you just have to be thoughtful about that. And, and I think it's debatable, you know, what stage we're at in, in over-tourism in the area, but um, I think it's an important theme that we have to be conscious of around the world. I mean, you have these same conversations around all the cruise, the cruise stops um, where these massive cruise ships get off um, in the Caribbean or in, you know, Italy and things like that. So how can we continue to promote travel in a way that doesn't contribute to these negative side effects, you know, whether it's disrupting the local ecology, the communities in a, in a negative way and bringing that, that economic growth to an area. And I think also the safety of the travelers, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that we sometimes forget about. For instance, every year people at Half Dome in Yosemite, somebody falls off, you know, mm -hmm. they don't pay attention to that sign that says, don't step beyond this point and they want to look over the edge and something happens. Um, so, you know, just putting mindful measures in place to protect people and also protect the environment. I'm reminded of a car trip I took a few years back with my husband when I was pregnant with my first child. We decided to go to Yellowstone and mm -hmm. we brought our dog and we had this camper. We just had the most fun, but we didn't realize when we got to Yellowstone, our dog would not be allowed on any of the trails. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> so we had to leave her in the camper with the air conditioning going while we went on our mini hikes to go look at a lot of these outcroppings and such because they simply weren't allowed because they're protecting the environment. And I get that too. It's um, also probably protecting us because bears and other animals and who knows how a dog will react and if that might provoke um, a grizzly, right? That's kind of the last thing you would want. <laughs> sure. Um, so I think, again, it's just trying to keep a logical headset on as you're approaching your travel journeys. So what's mm -hmm. your favorite place to visit? I'm sure you've been to many at this point. <laughs> um, my favorite place is probably the Galapagos Islands, another very highly regulated place, um, actually, that spends a lot of time and effort, of course, on these topics of uh, sustainability and, and protection of, of the local environment. But it is just a magical place to visit. So you can go either by a small cruise boat. There are usually about 16 people on these boutique cruises that take you around the islands. Um, or you can do a, a, a stay on a hotel and take kind of day trips out to different sites. But it's just an incredible place to visit these gorgeous white sand beaches and the animals, even this island scenery that has beautiful volcanoes that you can hike to the top of for these gorgeous views. Um, but it's just stunning to see these amazing places, but also have the interaction with the wildlife. So you can go snorkeling with sea turtles and fish and sharks, penguins. It's just an incredible place to visit um, if you enjoy nature and wildlife. And given that you've lived in Peru for some time and that so much of your business is focused there, is there a favorite underrated spot that you would recommend people look at? Um most people go to Peru for Machu Picchu, of course. Um, so, but I would say that it combines very nicely with the Galapagos Islands. Um, or in Peru, we have incredible Amazon to, to, to visit. So you can go up to the Amazon River to Iquitos and do a river cruise, or you can stay closer to the Cusco region and go to uh, a land-based uh, lodge um, and that takes you out on daily visits out to tributaries to the Amazon River. Uh, and again, incredible wildlife. You get to see um, caiman and monkeys and, and pink river dolphins if you're up on the Amazon River um, and take some incredible hikes through the canopy as well as, you know, the, the Amazon floor. So it's an incredible place to visit and quite a different scenery compared to the archaeological sites around um, Cusco and Machu Picchu. So that's what I would I would most recommend. Well, it sounds beautiful. I yes. personally. <laughs> so one of the questions that comes up for me, I know that these trips are curated by your company. So language, uh, what is the impact? How do people connect with the culture and how important is knowing Spanish? You don't need to know Spanish because uh, what we do is we connect you uh, with local guides in the area, expert guides. And it's something that, um, you know, they're the ones that are taking you through this journey actually on the ground. So they are probably the most important aspect of your trip um, and they will accompany you. It's not a... Um, it's not, it's not that they're with you every single step of the way. We like to include a good bit of independent time, but they are there for you, um, each day, however much you feel is necessary. And that's how, what that, that discussion occurs in the trip planning, um, portion, but they will take you on excursions daily, um, to 
you know, introduce you to people and places along the way um, to help make it a, a really unique and, and personal experience tailored to your own interests. And so they are your, you know, your friend, your advocate um, while you're traveling through to make sure that it's seamless. Um, and we're also there for you as, as a wider team, of course. But, you know, the, the guides are such an integral part of your experience. And um, we have some incredible guides that we work with. And what's something that's kind of unique about us is that we, even though, you know, global travel is, is involves people around the world, um, you know, the, the coordination of all of us to make sure that your trip is seamless. Um, and so you might wonder how, you know, how we pull that off um, with ourselves being so uh, dispersed around the world. And one of the ways that we help do that is we have a summit each year where we bring our team together and that includes uh, many of our, our guides. And so we as a team are really um, integrated and know each other very well so that um, we can coordinate smoothly regardless of where you are in the world, um, we're able to coordinate to make sure that your, your trip goes perfectly. Uh, so that means, you know, you might be uh, planning the trip with somebody that's located in Texas um, and, and, and then hiking, you know, through um, Patagonia with somebody on the other side of the Americas, right? But they actually know each other quite well and have gone salsa dancing together, you know, in the Galapagos, let's say the year before. So um, that, that coordination, I think, is really key and also a very, you know, sweet side of, of, of engaging with um, our business because um, you can really see the heart and passion that we have um, as a company and, and spread throughout the team. Wow. Well, I mean, I want to ask again. I mean, how does one join your team given that you're talking about being um, a multinational organization? If somebody has like this fire in their belly for travel and they also desire to do a lot of the work that you're talking about, maybe they speak multiple languages, including, let's say, German, English, and Spanish. Mm -hmm. Is that somebody that would be of interest to you working with your team? Yes, certainly. I mean, we have a careers page on our website. So anybody that is interested can certainly contact us and um, we'd love to, to chat. Um, we are a growing company. We're still quite young and quite small in the scheme of things, especially considering our, our, our long-term goals. So we have a lot of growth ahead and would love to partner with incredible professionals around the world to help us achieve those goals. So we've talked a bit about ecotourism, and you are B Corp certified. So what's next in this ecotourist perspective? Do you see some other trend coming up? That's a good question. Um, I don't know that there's a new trend coming up, but there's certainly a lot more focus, I think, by the average traveler on um, this sort of more conscious travel, especially coming out of the pandemic. It's been a really hard year. We've all had to kind of take stock of our lives in a big way and think about, you know, who we are and who we want to be. I think it's it's been a year of introspection. And so when we get back out there in the world now coming, you know, hopefully coming more and more out of the pandemic, it depends where we are in the world. But as we ease out of it, there's a question of, OK, how do I reengage with the world in a way that I um, that represents who I want to be? and um, and and makes a positive impact. And so of course we've been stuck in our homes. We wanna get out there and travel. Um, that's a huge one. We, we 
we want to get out and explore and interact and engage and, you know, be part of a larger community. And so more and more people, I think, are thinking about how they can do that effectively in a way that that's in line with their values. And I think, you know, where they spend their their dollars to help, you know, travel or whether it's shopping, whatever it is, is, is a big way that they can impact the world. I'd like to know if you have a particular idea of what it might cost for a family of four, including myself and a three-year-old and a six-year-old, uh-huh. to go on a trip like this to the Galapagos Islands from California. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, it really depends on the specifics because because the trips are done in private, they're going to vary a lot based on your group size and what you include. Um, but for example, uh, a trip to the Galapagos for a family of four, again, it's going to it's going to vary a lot. I would say that you could expect maybe three to four thousand dollars per person. So it depends what what of course, how long you're staying and um, what type of cruise you're including, things like that. But that might be a good place to start. Of course. Okay, so (laughs) I need to start building that budget and then take her up here and maybe wait for the three-year-old to be a little bit older so he'll be more engaged and a little bit less of a tax to bring everywhere with me. Yeah, I mean, I have young kids as well, so I think more and more about family travel these days. And the Galapagos is a wonderful place to go with a child, but there are ways that you would that you might want to do it differently as if you're traveling with young kids. So we could definitely help to make sure you get the most out of it. Um, and of course, there's plenty of other places around uh, the Americas to enjoy traveling with young kids. Well, uh, thank you for the tips. I'm going to think about it and see what I can put together. Maybe a year or more out. My present life with children. I'm always trying to plan a trip that has no more than one flight. So it might have a car drive on each side that could be an hour or two, but the reality of trying to switch planes with a three-year-old is just not incredibly fun. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about there. I do. Yeah, you'd have to look at where your um, airport flies directly to around the Americas, but I'm certain there's plenty of options, so <laughs> can make it work. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have goals in sight for the business. What is your next goal post? We would like to open up more destinations around the world. And with the goal of bringing our type of travel to more people, there are people out there that like to visit, you know, every country in South America or every country in, in, or every state in North America in their travels. But there are others out there that want to, you know, go to other regions and we want to be able to take them there. Um, So that's our next goal. We're going to be opening up uh, travel in the Middle East, in Southeast Asia, as well as in uh, South Africa. So we're excited to do that and, and bring our type of travel to more regions around the world. Fantastic. So when we add Egypt, maybe I'll go with you. Absolutely. I'd love that. So part of the purpose of this show in particular is to inspire people to act. And so sometimes that comes from really unlikely places and even just the personal stories of our guests. So I'd like to know if you could point your finger to one thing that you're particularly proud of from your personal or professional life, what would it be? I mean, I hate to return to the same topic again, but the first thing that comes to mind is the B Corp certification on the professional side. Um, this was huge for us because it 
we were able to recognize, you know, what we've accomplished and also help inspire us to stay on this uh, path going forward and see other ways that we can um, continue to embody these values that maybe we didn't think about or that sound really difficult, but are hopefully something that we'll keep working towards. Um, so this side of getting the B Corp certification was um, was really what was you know the most rewarding for, for us as a company um, in our 11 years of business so far, because um, it's it's a really important aspect of the business. We we consider ourselves a purpose-driven company. So seeing how we can continue to um, to embody that going forward is going to be is going to be key. Well, I can just see a bright future for you. And I look forward to hearing about all the destinations to come as you continue building this eco-conscious travel company. So SA Expeditions from, well, South America and beyond now. So is there a company name change in sight? <laughs> we will see. Um, you know, it started with SA and South America, and we've grown much beyond that. So it's definitely uh, something that we're thinking about going forward. <laughs> well, thank you, Riva. Thank you so much for coming on today. This has been my sincere pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful being here. Appreciate it. Now, audience, I'd like to invite you to act. It doesn't have to be huge. It could be as simple as sharing this podcast with other people that love to travel so that they can make more conscious choices about the travel that they embark upon. To find suggestions, you can always visit our action page on caremorebebetter.com. There you'll find causes and companies that we encourage you to support, including SA Expeditions. And I invite you all to join the conversation and be a part of this community. You can follow us on social spaces at caremorebebetter. Or you can just send us an email to hello at caremorebebetter.com. I want to hear from you. Thank you, listeners, now and always, for being a part of this pod and this community, because together we really can do so much more. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.